are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock, your host, with you on this Tuesday edition of the show. Still going through some deep dive scouting reports on the newest 49ers, the 49ers rookie class. We've already done Nick Bosa. We've talked a lot about Nick Bosa pre and post draft. There was a Debo Samuel episode. There was a Jalen Hurd episode. Today, we're going to double up. want to talk Dre Greenlaw. Linebacker out of Arkansas, fifth-round pick by the 49ers. We talked a lot about him off the field yesterday with Matt Barrows. If you didn't hear that episode, you're definitely going to want to go back after this one and listen to that podcast. And we're also going to talk about the 49ers' sixth-round pick, the first of their three sixth-round picks, Caden Smith, tight end, out of Stanford. Now that I've had time to go back and go over some of their college tape and look at these players and have a better opinion of what they are rather than just the knee-jerk reaction of right after they were drafted or just reading other people's scouting reports. Some things I do agree with, some things I don't from what I've uh, read about these players and uh, what kind of prospects they are. Strengths, weaknesses, and what kind of an outlook Dre Greenlaw and Caden Smith have as NFL players and specifically San Francisco 49ers. Before we get started, don't forget to follow along. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can find podcasts. You can find this show and all of the shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. And a big shout out to our current sponsors that brought you this program, Hotels.com, Untuck It, and Grip Six Belts. And some NFL news before we get into those scouting reports. Uh, one of the big ones that 49ers fans are probably just don't know what to think now is the Reuben Foster news. If you haven't been paying attention, Reuben Foster carted off the field Sunday, and it was his first practice, only his third play of OTAs in Washington camp. A left knee injury, and judging by Foster's reaction on the field, his concerns were valid as it has been confirmed as a torn ACL with even some more possible artery damage to that left knee and just yet another setback in the former 49ers' young career already on the second team. He's not going to be able to play his first year with that team, has not been on the field all that much, has had flashes of some spectacular play when he's on the field, and, uh, man, his off the field has just been strange, and what a weird beginning to a career and hopefully not an ending to the career of Reuben Foster. It sounds like a pretty major injury and athleticism is a big part of his game and so you know he's got to go through this and come back from it he's had a bunch of injuries already through his college and pro career at some point you know for his sake hopefully he's got his life straight off the field and he can get healthy and and play a little football and, and have some fun with his life and his career and we'll see how long that lasts in Washington and if he's able to come back from this and uh, be the guy that everyone expected him to be on the field now in the 2020 season, and it's been uh, he hasn't been able to put a full season together yet in the NFL. He'll be in year four in 2020. Now, if you listen to the show, you know I have not watched the finale of Game of Thrones yet. Maybe actually after this podcast, I'll be able to get to that. But apparently after Game of Thrones, there was a trailer for HBO's Westworld, and Marshawn Lynch made an appearance. The former Raiders, Seahawks, and Bills running back Marshawn Lynch is turning to acting now. 
that he's officially retired from football. He's joining HBO's Westworld as seen in the trailer that aired after the Game of Thrones finale. The former running back appears to play a henchman on the dark odyssey about the dawn of artificial consciousness. There's no word on Lynch's character or whether he'll become a permanent fixture in the show, which is slated to return in 2020. And since I didn't see that trailer, uh, I just laughed when I saw that story come down, and I thought it was funny. I wanted to just mention it on the show. Marshawn Lynch, I yeah, I, th- I could see him acting and just being a weirdo. And uh, be int- I don't know if he can be any character other than himself, so that'll be interesting just to see him in hair and makeup and in a different outfit, but then just being Marshawn Lynch because I can't imagine him being anything else. So that'll be interesting to see what kind of acting chops he has. Uh, One other thing, let's just finish up this segment before we get into the scouting reports of Dre Greenlaw and Caden Smith. I got to touch on the New York Jets situation, which is super weird. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem legit. Like, why would you fire your GM after the draft? If you knew you were going to fire your GM, wouldn't you bring someone in to make those draft picks before they happen? That's like cutting a player before the season starts. That's like cutting a player that you know is going to be terrible after the season instead of before the season when you could have brought a better player in before the whole thing started. Why would you let someone who's already going to lose his job draft for you and, and potentially take your your franchise down a path that you shouldn't be going down? If you know, and and why did didn't McCagnan hire Adam Gase? That whole situation is just weird. We already saw what the Miami Dolphins look like and what the New York Jets could look like with Adam Gase in charge and being fully in control of personnel, and it didn't work. It was awful. It ended poorly in Miami, and he had an opportunity to bring in all his guys, got rid of all the guys he didn't want, brought in all his own guys, and even they didn't like him in the locker room. He still lost the locker room, filling it up with all of his own guys, according to uh, everybody I uh, listen to and and think has a valuable opinion out of Miami that covers the Dolphins. And so Adam Gase um, wins an, a really early and quick power struggle with the Jets. And the thing is with the Jets and their personnel, I mean, McCagnan wasn't perfect. He drafted Christian Hackenberg. I mean, it was a second round pick. It wasn't a first overall pick or anything like that. But uh, he had some misses. But at the same time, I, I kind of like a lot of the high-end talent that the Jets have brought in recently. I think they could do some things talent-wise. I love Jamal Adams, Shadow 49er. Quinnen Williams was absolutely the right pick this year. A lot of people... And I wouldn't argue that he might have been the best non-quarterback, just the best football player in the draft. And they got him third overall. They didn't screw that up. So I love that pick. And they might have their franchise quarterback that they drafted last year in Sam Darnold. I mean, those are really good building blocks for a team. And then they oust their GM right after the draft, which is super weird. And there are some reports that maybe Adam Peters, the personnel VP for the 49ers, would be among people who might get an opportunity to uh, interview for that GM job in New York. And then uh, I think it's Douglas out of Philadelphia is another one. But the latest name is Peyton Manning. So maybe Peyton Manning ends up being the GM in New York. And it's it's kind of wild. So John Lynch was sort of one of the first in this group of new GMs that didn't have front office experience and got that job. We saw Mike Mayock, who obviously – loves scouting and loves going through the process of finding players. Now he's the GM in Oakland with the Raiders. And then you have Peyton Manning potentially taking over as a GM or a high-end front office role with the New York Jets. And all three of those 
teams have a head coach that's that's really the one that's in charge and brought in their own guy. And so I wonder if Adam Gates, because obviously he was the offensive coordinator in Denver when Peyton Manning was there. They have a relationship. Maybe they can make that work. But uh, I don't know. That's interesting. And uh, maybe they bring in a GM and then they fire Adam Gase. Or at least wait till the year's over. And and he's another one-and-done coach. We've seen a lot of those recently. I just I don't get the Gase hiring. I don't get the timing of firing your GM after the draft. If you think he's not good at his job, why would you let him take on a whole draft class and bring on a whole draft class for your franchise? I don't know. Just such a weird, strange situation going on in New York, and uh, it's it's a bummer because I like some of the players they brought in. I think they could be on the right track. They've got to figure out their front office situation and get their coaching staff right, or it's all going to be for naught. But uh, I like some of the young pieces, especially their last three first-round picks, I think are, are fantastic building blocks for that New York Jets franchise. Don't have the same confidence, though, in Adam Gase as a head coach. All right, let's talk 49ers, rookies, Dre Greenlaw and Caden Smith. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. So Dre Greenlaw, a 5'11", 237-pound linebacker out of Arkansas. And uh, again, if you didn't hear my episode on Monday or read Matt Barrow's article at The Athletic on Dre Greenlaw and his situation going from group homes, finding a family, and then becoming an NFL draft pick. It's a really cool story. And like just as far as the off-field stuff goes and the character, he seems like to have the highest character and seems like the exact right kind of guy you want to have around your football team in the locker room, on and off the field. Now, what kind of player is Dre Greenlaw? Well, first of all, he's got some work to do. Uh, I, I will say that. The... Uh, the path to him playing a role on defense, I think, is it might take some time. And we'll see if he ever gets there. Number one, when you watch him play, and he's a former safety, and he looks like a, he looks like a current safety that's bulked up more like, because there's a lot of like undersized, small linebackers. He doesn't look like that. He looks like a bulked up safety at Arkansas, more so than an undersized linebacker, and he plays that way. And I think that's the big problem for me with him getting on the field on defense and especially on early downs because the athleticism is there, uh, you know, 5'11", 237, you better be fast. And he plays fast, even though he was dealing with a hamstring injury, didn't run at the combine, ended up running a 4'7 at his pro day, was still dealing with the with the injury. So I think you can definitely give him a pass on that. Or when you watch the tape, you know, he's faster than, than 4'7". So, you know, speed isn't the problem I have with Dre Greenlaw's ability as a linebacker. And one of the things I think maybe is why he didn't run so fast is because, you know, there's the hamstring, but also he probably put on some weight, I think, to even get to 237 pounds. Uh, You you know, if you're that small and you're an undersized linebacker, you know you're putting on weight in the offseason to weigh in for the combine. My guess is he played more in the 220-something range. Uh, He looks looks smaller than Eric Reed (laughs) on the field, at least he did at Arkansas. And we'll see how much weight of that he keeps on and see how he runs at his newer weight of uh, 237 pounds or where he ends up playing in the NFL. But he looks like a, a bulked up safety. He doesn't, and he plays that way. And when I say that, like he is fast and, and he, he's got range and he moves around. And when he's clean and he can run to the ball, he'll go get the ball and he can run people down and he's got range. Uh, the thing that I, the reason I say right now, he's probably non-functional as a player on defense, I mean, as an NFL linebacker, is just because he is 
he he just does not take on blocks. Period. Like one of the worst I've ever seen as a linebacker. He just gets blocked all the time, like consistently blocked, washed completely out of the play on nearly every play that someone gets a hand on him. So, and it's not even like, you know, where you get blocked, but you hold your point and, you know, the the offensive lineman doesn't nearly, or, you know, tight end or whoever's blocking him and running back uh, doesn't gain any ground, but you just kind of keep them there and you force the play in another direction. He doesn't do that even at all. He just gets completely washed and he had trouble. Uh, he had trouble taking on blocks, period. And, and so that affected his ability to make plays, and it affected his teammates' ability to make plays because he had guys running free, and he wasn't able to take on any blocks and enforce anybody in any certain direction. So that's a big worry for me, for him playing on defense early. And even if he's in nickel, teams still run the ball. And so you know, even if he's got that athleticism, and I think it was John Lynch who said they had the, you know, the transponders. Arkansas was one of those teams where you could see how fast he was running down the field and some of that uh, – you know, the next level analytics there and seeing the next gen stats of him running 200 or running 22 miles per hour on a play down the field. Um, and I know some people were comparing that to Matt Breida, who had one of the fastest, if not the fastest times as a ball carrier in the NFL last year. And it was similar to that 22, 23 miles per hour. It's very different to run that speed as a ball carrier in the NFL or like Dre Greenlaw did, which was probably something like on special teams when he's running down as a gunner, where I'm sure some guys in the NFL had had way faster numbers than what Matt Breida had because that number uh, that people recite and they say, oh, man, Dre Greenlaw is just as fast as uh, Matt Breida was on that on that play. It's like, no, Matt Breida was a ball carrier in, in the course of a play. You know, if you time somebody's speed when they're a, a punt gunner and they're just running 40 yards straight down the field and can get to full speed, that's a little bit different of a, a timing situation. But either way, Dre Greenlaw is fast. And again, that's one of his strengths. That's not something that I would ever worry about with him as a prospect. My worry is him as a run blocker, getting consistently blocked, washed out of the play completely. And when you see that, I don't think if that's the way he is going to play defense in the NFL, he's not going to get on the field much. So then that means what is his outlook and his he's got athleticism he doesn't have a ton of size and length you know in coverage but he's got that ability you can see him fly around the field and as a former safety he should be fine as a coverage linebacker so uh, that's a very good thing so if he can learn that if he can put on weight keep his speed and learn to take on blocks whether it's a mental thing or whether it's just like he knows he's small and he needs to get stronger and then he can you know he can match up to those blocks um then i think he, he will have a be able to you know at least work himself into a nickel role in the NFL, but I wouldn't even put him on the field right now in nickel packages. So to me right now, his outlook, at least early in his career is strictly as a special teams player. And he's going to be, you know, competing with someone like David Mayo, who the 49ers brought in this off season as a linebacker for, uh, you know, one of those players who is a strictly special teams type of a player that doesn't have much of a role on defense. And so that's what I see from Dre Greenlaw early in his career. He's gonna have to make his way and earn his spot and earn his roster spot as a special teams demon, and then work on those other things and, and make those weaknesses strengths so he can have a role on defense as well. And that might not show up, you know, until maybe year two or three. But if he can be a special teams demon, and, you know, he was a fifth-round pick, so, you know, I'm poking some holes in his game, but we're not talking about a first-round linebacker here. This is a fifth-round pick, and so making the roster is is already, you know, a good job. And then if he's got a role as a, as a core special teamer, then that's that's a bonus, and that's worthy of a, a you know, mid-late day three pick. And then if he has that potential and that athleticism that the 49ers are banking on and can uh, 
play with a little bit more physicality, then now you have now you're now you're cooking with Dre Greenlaw as as a player who can give you some impact on the field on defense. When I talk about him getting blocked and not being physical against the run, it's not only taking on blocks because you you'll see smaller guys, you'll see cornerbacks just lay out and put their shoulder into a blocker and set that edge. So it's not just his physical stature that holds him back. It's uh, it's the mentality and it's it's the the dog in him going to get the ball and he's active and he's moving around a lot. But when when the play's coming at him, that's that's when he uh, really shows a lot of weaknesses as as a run defender. And not only when he's not blocked, he doesn't uh, he he it's not like he gives ground to the running back, but he doesn't erase the ground. So he'll be let's say five yards back behind the line of scrimmage you know, in the middle of the field playing linebacker. The run comes his way. Nobody's blocking him, but he's not eliminating that space between him and the line of scrimmage and the ball carrier. He's waiting. He's letting the ball carrier get to him. And so that's that's another thing he's got to clean up. So not only is he weak against blockers, he's weak actually taking on the run at the point of attack. So, I mean, he's definitely going to be a weak side linebacker. He's going to be coming from the outside, and he'll have a, a chance to showcase his range there, and you hope that the big men up front can take on a lot of those black blockers, so he can fly to the ball. And when he gets there, I like the way he, uh, uh, you know, I like the way he can get there when he's sideline to sideline when it's not coming right at him. But it's a big weakness. You're talking about a linebacker, and his ability to go get ball carriers is not great, in my opinion. So uh, that's what he's going to have to work on, and I think he can, and I think he's that you know high character player he's got the work ethic uh, you know everything points to him being able to improve in the NFL NFL weight room he'll get bigger he'll get stronger and if he has the right mentality and he's got the right coaching around him maybe you have something on defense but right now he's looking like a guy who's going to fly down on coverage teams and be a special teams player early in his career and especially as a rookie and if Quan Alexander is not ready to go in week 1 this year then I, I got to believe it's 100% going to be Elijah Lee who gets the nod there. And a lot of people are talking about him competing with Elijah Lee for maybe even a starting spot if Quan Alexander is not ready to go. Uh, I just don't see that happening at all because, and maybe as a nickel guy, he is a sub and he gets in there and, and gets some run on defense uh, in, in nickel packages and, and playing a little bit more of a coverage role. But as an early down defender, I just, I, right now I see Drake Greenlaw being non functional with his ability to play the run directly at him as a tackler though when he's in chase position coming from the side or coming from behind and running a guy down he does have for being short he does have pretty long arms and he's a pretty good wrap-up tackler when he does get there but again it's just it's all that linear like stepping up taking on blocks uh erasing the space between him and the line of scrimmage and the running back coming at him it's it's that which is you know it's not as big of a part of the game as it used to be you don't have those big 250 pound linebackers in the middle that are thumpers like you used to but you still got to be able to uh to get dirty and put your nose in there and just don't see that really at all from Drake Greenlaw, which is a little bit disappointing, but I love the athleticism. There's something there. I love the person. I love the human being. And if he puts the work in, gets stronger, uh, you might have something with Drake Greenlaw, but right now special teams guy to me all the way. All right, let's talk Caden Smith, break down some of his strengths and weaknesses. The six round tight end out of Stanford right after this, Today's show is brought to you by Untuck It. Dads come in all shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com. Use promo code NBA to get 20% off. And Grip 6 Belts, where their goal is to literally make the best belt that's ever been made. An easy and thoughtful gift, and the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk 
Grip6 has a special offer for you at Grip6.com slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E. Caden Smith, what did the 49ers get from the big 6'5", 255 tight end out of Stanford? Well, they got a big dude. He's got the size. He's got all the requisite size you look for in an NFL tight end. So definitely just standing there, he looks the part. And when he's just standing there looking the part in a Stanford uniform, it's like, oh, dude, this is a third-round draft pick, right? Because (laughs) Stanford just invents tight ends. I mean, they just give birth to NFL tight ends every year. And that's where I wonder if Caden Smith might have gotten into his own head a little bit. A sixth-round pick, number 176 overall, he was a junior. So he was an early entrant into the draft. He had another year of eligibility if he wanted it. At Stanford, he didn't take it. He decided to go to the NFL, and I wonder if he maybe thought he was a better prospect because of that same reason. He was like, look, I got recruited to go to Stanford, play tight end. I want to go be a second, third-round pick like all of the Stanford tight ends before me. And uh, he's just he's not quite there athletically, and that's where uh, Caden Smith falls a little short as a prospect and why he was still there in the sixth round for the 49ers. But uh, let's start with the pros. First of all, 6'5", 255 pounds. He caught 47 balls for 635 yards and a pair of scores in 2018, his junior season. And I think one of the things that we've seen, and I know that John Lynch is is a Stanford guy and his son goes to Stanford and he's seen a lot of them and being right there, Kyle Shanahan's seen a lot of them, but being in a pro-style offense, we already saw Kyle Shanahan pluck George Kittle from Iowa, another pro-style offense, and there's not that many of those left in the college game that aren't just completely spreading it out all the time. So I think that helps where you can see him, how he's going to be used in the NFL And you saw that in college. And I think he'll be used very similarly to how he was used in college with the 49ers. And I think the number one thing that shows up and why he's going to have an NFL career is along with that size, he's got pure hands. I mean, he's a a pure hands catcher. He's got strong hands. He makes hands in traffic, which is a good thing because we'll get to that later. He doesn't separate much. But in that pro-style offense, you saw him line up as a, you know, standard Y tight end in tight to the formation like a pro-style tight end would, take on blockers or block people, sometimes defensive ends, sometimes linebackers, and show pure hands in traffic when he's open and the ball gets thrown his way. And even when he's not open, he can make plays on the ball, go up and get it. So I like that very much from him, and I think that's the number one reason he's going to have a a career in the NFL is because he can do those things. Now, being someone who is not super athletic. He ran a 4.92 and he doesn't play fast. You watch him play and he's like, okay, yeah, this guy's definitely not fast. He's not uh, running super crisp routes and losing people in coverage and creating his own plays. But what he can do is catch the ball when he's open and even catch the ball when he's not open. So the hands are a nice outlet for a quarterback and a nice big target that can you know use that range and go get the ball over his head and go get the ball over the top of a smaller defensive back. So you know it's a nice bonus to have. It's a nice trump card for a tight end to have in the NFL game that he can go make those plays on the ball. But with his size, 6'5", 255, playing at Stanford, I actually expected to see a better blocker when I went back to watch him And I was a little bit disappointed with his ability as a blocker. And it's more, you know, it's not so much about um, that he physically can't do it or anything like that. It gets overpowered. And sometimes he does get overpowered from bigger defensive linemen at the point of of attack, which is common for college tight ends. But he gets overextended in a way where guys can just completely miss his block. 
and you see smaller, quicker defenders, not only can he not lose them as a route runner in coverage, he can't get to them on the second level as blockers because you just see guys all day ditching him, you know, left and right, side, you know, sidestepping him and, and letting him go right by. And I think part of it is that Caden Smith gets a little bit over his skis as a blocker. And I think that's I think he could play a little bit more under control and obviously get a little stronger, get in that NFL weight room. I think that'll help him uh, as a blocker. But I think he just gets on this linear path where he's overextended going forward. And I think players can just ditch him and move him aside and get by him or completely whiff on him in space and then go make a play and he can't get his hands on him. And then as uh, as a blocker in tighter quarters, when he's going up against, say, a defensive end, if he's got latched on, and he's got that momentum, and he can he can ride a guy down the line of scrimmage and ride him completely out of the play. But where he doesn't win is when he doesn't have that initial leverage, and he doesn't have that and have that uh, connection on a guy because then he doesn't win with pure power or with pure hand placement and pure technique. He's just he's you know over his skis. I, I'm trying to think of a better way to put it. He's just you know kind of on his toes, and like basically if you just like let go and sidestep, he just falls kind of on his face. And so he 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 goes about it in that way where he's really just trying to maybe even overdo it a little bit. I think he could play under control, use his hands better, use hand placement, use technique a little bit more, and I think he'd be a lot better blocker, especially when you look at his size. And uh, he should be a little bit better blocker, and I actually expect him to be a better blocker once he gets into the NFL and gets working a little bit more on technique and working on on some of those things. So if he does that and he improves as a blocker, improves his strength at the point of attack a little bit more just with those hands and and his ability and his size, I, I think he'll be, you know, basically Garrett Selleck. I, I think he that's exactly who he is. And I think that's exactly who the 49ers brought him in to replace eventually, whether it's 2019 or 2020. And I think Caden Smith is good enough and has enough physical attributes that you're not going to see that, you know, revolving door of third string tight ends, the Cole Wicks of the world and, you know, the Cole Hicatinis and a lot of the, the players that the 49ers have had on the roster the last couple of years filtering in and out of the lineup and filtering on and off the roster. I think Caden Smith can sort of solidify that number three tight end if they do keep three on the roster this year with Garrett Selleck in the last year of his contract being the number two guy. And then in year two, Caden Smith, a year under his belt, can jump in and be that number two tight end and be that Garrett Selleck for the 49ers because he has a lot of similarities both physically and what he is as a pass catcher to uh, Garrett Selleck, but he's just not quite there yet. And so I don't think the 49ers would be willing to move on from Selleck and go with the rookie as George Kittle's backup there at tight end. And maybe, you know, in year two, what I'm looking at is, okay, Garrett Selleck's gone. Now Caden Smith is that wide tight end, that inline guy. And then you've got your OWs and you've got someone like Jalen Hurd who could be your H-back and your move tight end as your number three tight end or slash number two tight end along with George Kittle. Then you have a nice mix of guys. But this year, I just don't see it. I don't see the 49ers moving on from Garrett Selleck yet, but I do see Caden Smith as Garrett Selleck part two eventually in this offense. You know, and while I, you know, I talked about his pedestrian workout numbers and 49240 and he doesn't have burst off the line, he doesn't threaten linebackers or uh, defensive backs, you know, with his athleticism or threaten them down the seam with speed or threaten them with breaks and getting open in short areas and and making plays like that or making plays after the catch at all, but he's not completely stiff either. And actually he ran a pretty decent 3 cone time. I think it was top 5 at the combine for tight ends is 7.08 three cone, which is a very respectable number for someone his size. And he's got some smoothness to him, even though he's not fast, he's not going to lose anybody. He's not a complete stiff 
which I like. So he can he can move and, you know, he can just get out and he doesn't look, uh, you know, he's got body control and he doesn't look lost in space and he doesn't look lost out there, even though he's not really making plays with his legs. He's got some flexibility to him and, and he can move a little bit and has a smooth nature to the way he moves, which is one of the reasons why I think his, you know, pedestrian workout numbers might not necessarily even play up a little bit, but it's not necessarily a red flag where it's like, oh, this guy's just, he can't move. And so he's going to be a non-functional pass catcher and uh, he's a complete stiff. He's not at that level unathletic, even though he's not, you know, George Kittle or anything. And so that's why I just, it, it just, it points so much to what Garrett Selleck is in, in the 49ers offense. And I just see K- Caden Smith just falling right into that role eventually. All right, that'll do it. We are out of time on today's show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow with a little Winky Wednesday podcast, so keep those mailbag questions coming in to me on Twitter at BDPeacock or email LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. And don't forget to utilize our fantastic sponsors, Hotels.com, Grip6, Belts, and Untuck It. Talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked On 49ers.